2: Hey guys, this is Liz Kambay. This is Nikki
1: Collins. What up guys? This is FTAX. Hey, this is Emani Hey, this is
2: Jordan Canada. This is Asia Welcome to the WNBA Nation. WNBA Nation, what's up? And welcome back to another episode. I'm Kyle Haywood and I've got Logan Jones with me tonight. Logan, how are we doing, man?
1: Holy crap. Kyle, the this, this season is back and it's back with a vengeance. The last, <laughs> the last seventy-two hours of games—is that right? It's today's Tuesday, yeah. Sunday, yeah. Tuesday games. That's like this whole episode is going to be like reaction, a hundred percent, because we got we got some stuff, we got some stuff to talk about.
2: We have a lot to discuss tonight. I'm really, really excited. It's been it's been a fun night of basketball. We've been live streaming on our Twitch channel the last two and a half hours of the last three games of tonight. And then we watched the first couple of games as well. And we're going to be reacting to all of those. But Logan, before we get too far into this episode, can we just send a huge, huge congratulations out to a new addition in the WNBA family? Brianna Stewart and her wife, Marta officially had a daughter just a couple days ago, little baby Ruby. And so excited for them. What a last couple weeks Stewie has had. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I mean Stewie is playing the game called
1: Life to Perfection. I'll tell you
2: what. Yeah. Uh, if you if you ever want to just be like, man, like life's not a race. It's not about, you know, what you can accomplish in X amount of time. And then you like See someone like Bree Stewart and you're like, yeah, (laughs) maybe, maybe I'm a, but like legitimately finishing up a W finishing up a first half of a WNBA season, immediately going over to Tokyo to compete in the Olympics, coming home with a gold medal within a super short amount of time from arriving home from Tokyo, playing in and winning the inaugural commissioner's cup of the WNBA and the commissioner's cup MVP. And then like, it seemed like hours later, I know it wasn't hours, but it seemed like just hours later, all of a sudden announcing that you have a baby. Like
1: (laughs) just that's
2: called taking care
1: of business.
2: Oh, and, and she got, and she got married earlier this year too. So like in July, I think June or July, I can't remember. I hope she's got
1: like bucket list stuff. For when she's like 50, because she's just racing through, you know, all of these life events.
2: Yeah, she's doing all of this. She's 26. She's checking every box before she like reaches her latter 20s. Uh Just but honestly, we could not be happier for Stewie and Marta and baby Ruby. We love WNBA babies and everything that gets involved. They're just just so much fun. Kyle, I'll tell you this.
1: I was a cool baby. But I wasn't gold medal draped around my neck the day of my birth. <laughs> cool. She, the yeah, rest, the rest of Ruby's life, she gets to tell people like, "Oh yeah, like, well, I was born in uh, in August. You you might remember it was right after my mom had come back, gold medal in from hand winning
2: the gold <laughs>
1: and winning like a half million dollars in the inaugural Commissioner's Cup. That's uh that's my origin story. Like,
2: yeah." <laughs> for sure just it was just awesome just a couple of girl moms you know just just absolutely killing it Uh, rosenberg's reminding us in the chat yeah the fact that we didn't know that their marriage had actually taken place until like the announcement of their child you know like everybody knew of the engagement but i didn't know that they had gotten married earlier nobody did it was a really kind of a private you know ceremony that they had and and oh, by the way, yeah. Not only did we have a baby, we got married, a, you know, a few weeks ago or a few, uh, two months ago or whatever it was. But congratulations! We just wanted to start off the show a hundred percent. Some of the WNBA fan base is going to be really excited about the last couple of days' results, and some of you are going to be really down on the last couple of days' results. But everybody can celebrate, baby Ruby. So, uh, we're, we're super happy. Congratulations, not only to the newly married couple, but to the new moms and just excited for that whole family. Just couldn't be, couldn't be more excited than we are. Logan, we actually have a lot of games to review. So I don't want to spend too much time on, on many other things, but before we hop right into reviewing games, if this is your first time listening, we'd like to kind of give you a little bit of a rundown of how you can interact with us and stay connected with all things WNBA Nation across the board. Logan, how about you give us the rundown of how they could do that?
1: All right, let's do this efficiently so we can dive in. We are live on Twitch when we record our episodes, twitch.tv slash WNBA Nation. You can follow us on Twitter at WNBA Nation pod. You can rate five-star reviews everywhere you can listen to podcasts, and we will read them on the air, and that helps us out a lot, and we love you for it. And you can donate slash get merch through our store envy page as well as just straight up donating to us because it'll support the show and eventually when COVID is no longer a thing ha ha we'll be able to send people to games which is something we really like to do (laughs) those are the plugs that was dude that was well
2: done (laughs) well well done
1: that's how excited i am to get down tonight
2: if you need to rewind the last 30 seconds and (laughs) and hit that again people you can but that's that's I'm super down with that because we're going to hop into some games here, Logan. Let's start with Sunday's games and taking a look at some of the results that we had back on August fifteenth. Let's start. Why not? You know, let's just, let's just, let's start with a with a big one. Seattle, Chicago. Yes, let's do it. All right, let's let's go. Let's we got to start out uh, with the bang here. All right, Seattle. Uh, Coming off a a big time, like very convincing victory in the inaugural Commissioner's Cup, as was mentioned earlier, and facing a Chicago Sky team who is really needing to make some noise here in the second half of the season or the back end of the season here, sitting Bree Stewart and Sue Bird. Chicago comes away with the victory 87 to 85 Logan. What were your thoughts on this game as you not only saw the final score, but just kind of your reaction overall to, to kind of the story of this game.
1: The story for me was the storm sitting Stewart and bird and plugging in, you know, two more players basically basically playing deeper than they've had to play all season. And Mm -hmm. as deep as the storm team is, they aren't that deep, right? Like they're, they're starting five, uh, we're all plus five or plus six and plus minus for the game. So when the starting five were on the floor, they were the better team. Right. As soon as Steph Talbot and Magrabor and Williams were out there, suddenly it started to get pretty ugly. So I, I'm not worried about depth in the playoffs because obviously Stewart's going to be out there and Bird will also likely be out there. I mean, she hasn't really had any injuries or anything this season. It's just an obvious chance to to rest up before kind of you hit the final leg of the season here. But yeah, if you're if you're playing, I don't know. Magbegor actually had 21 points and had a pretty decent game, like nine rebounds. It's just she, her; she just happened to be on the floor while Chicago's doing the majority of their damage. Right. So I don't think their 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 deep bench is bad necessarily, but that was obviously where Chicago took the most uh, of their you know recent frustrations with being a 500 team out. So it, it it counts and it's a win, and they're above 500. The sky, they're they're you know good for them, but but like does it give you any more confidence that they're going
2: to be able to hold their own against Seattle in a series? That was my next question. Is this game felt a little bit reminiscent of, do you remember the last game of the, of the bubble? Yeah. The last regular season game of the bubble where Vegas was playing Seattle and it was basically the winner was going to be the number one overall seed and Vegas won the game and it was a close game. Seattle looked like the better team all year, but the aces had kind of
1: stayed like right in their shadow and took advantage mm-hmm. when, when Stewart was sitting. And I think that game really locked up the MVP for Asia Wilson. Yeah. I, I think that ended up being a pretty strong determining factor
2: it, for sure. But like at the, you know, at this, at this huge momentous, you know, final regular season game and you know, they're playing against each other. They're battling. You look over and Seattle's sitting like. A bunch of their starters, (laughs) you know, Stewie and Sue Bird were both sitting out. And I can't remember off the top of my head if if Jewel Lloyd was sitting out as well. But I I think at least two, if not three or three or more of their starting caliber players for Seattle were just sitting out and not playing at all. And that also and it came down to the wire. It was like a, a really, really close game. And it was at that point that I thought, hmm, if Las Vegas is having this much trouble with Seattle and Seattle doesn't have their best players on the court. Maybe this isn't a finals that is going to be as close as I was thinking if they, if these two teams meet in the finals. That, that's exactly what ended up happening, right? They, Las Vegas got kind of ran out of the building when it came to the finals. They, they lost three quick games and none of those were close. So that's a little bit how this game felt. You know, Chicago, it's hard to like, Be mad about beating Seattle, but they didn't do it in a in a convincing. It wasn't like I didn't feel good after that win. Yeah,
1: no, it it didn't feel like a flex. And part of that was bree sitting, and part of it was they, you know, they went to overtime against a storm team that shot like under thirty five percent. Neither team shot well from the foul line. Everything else was pretty even across the board. There wasn't, I I guess, you know, Chicago turned the ball over a ton, which is kind of why. Uh, Seattle stayed in it. Jewel Lloyd had a nice game, so it, it wasn't like they win in. Like, do you, I'll put it this way: the Storm is zero percent afraid of the Chicago Sky, even after losing to them. That. Right. That's you know, they they gained a game in the standings, and I think Sky fans should enjoy that, especially considering that we're going to talk about tonight's game in a little bit. But uh, they they don't have any sort of intimidation factor when they play Seattle. I think they still know with our you know our best against their best. We can take them to overtime without the best player in the league. So
2: I, I don't think that Chicago put any fear into, into Seattle at all. No, let's move on to, to another game here that was, uh, I thought was pretty telling Connecticut fresh off, you know, going to the other side of the inaugural commissioners cup here. Connecticut, who got absolutely waxed in that game comes out and demolishes. Yeah. This was a beating the wings demolishes the a Dallas wings team. This was ugly. This was one of those that you just are like, man, like when's this game ever going to end? Because they had a 20 point lead at halftime and just cruised. It was just cruise control from there. Arika Gumboale actually had a really solid game, you know, 20 points, five assists, four boards and shot really well from the floor Went eight for 12, you know, from the floor, had a really good game and was minus 18 in the plus minus. Like that's, That's rough. (laughs)
1: Yeah, this this was a, I think, a vintage performance from the Connecticut Sun in the sense that their starting five all scored a bunch of points. Four of the starting five scored 12 or more. That's the Sun that we've kind of Mm. known and loved over the last couple years. And a vintage Wings performance where they put the game entirely in Arike Agumboale's hands and forgot about the rest of the point of basketball. Yeah. They didn't play defense. They didn't score well. They, They tried to just let Arike create instead of, finding offense through like motion <laughs> and running plays, which was, pr- I mean, 12 assisted buckets by the end of the game for, for Dallas is even that feels like higher than what it seemed like.
2: It I think you're right. It didn't feel like even 12, yeah. you know? Yeah. And uh, again, I, I thought Enrique had a great game, but it was just so
0: <laughs>
2: blah from kind of everybody else. The wings really did a really cool honoring Alicia for, you know, coming home with the gold medal and everything like that was really awesome however and she had a she had a fine game she had eleven points and three boards on you know fifty percent shooting, but outside of that it was just it was kind of nothing not much was happening nothing nobody else could make a bucket you know and and it was just it was just a struggle overall uh, twenty one total turnovers
1: uh they put i mean they just they played sloppy defense yep the wings snagged one offensive rebound all game which i thought was impossible. Yeah. Um like it just I don't know, it just wasn't it wasn't good. It wasn't good. They
2: they got they got out-rebounded like uh, Junkwill Jones almost single-handedly out-rebounded the entire Dallas Wings roster. I'm willing to call this rust.
1: Based on Tuesday's results and the fact that Connecticut had just played a a storm team for like, like in a meaningful game. I'm willing to call this Dallas Rust.
2: And maybe Connecticut had their rust because, you know, the, the storm players had been playing in the Olympics. And so maybe Connecticut had their rust shaken off and they came and met up with Dallas Rust and, and took care of business. Big win for Connecticut there. The next game I want to, I want to hit on here is the first of two games. (laughs) that we're going to talk about tonight like with Las Vegas and Washington, Las Vegas coming away this time on Sunday with a one point victory. Logan officially, this was, <laughs> this was actually a really big win for Las Vegas because they just seem to struggle with Washington. Washington always gives Las Vegas a run for their money. And I don't know why, Las Vegas on paper seems like they should really take care of this Washington team, but they just never do. It's always a little bit more of a struggle than it should be. That being said, they did come out with a victory following a huge 29 point (laughs) fourth quarter, 29 to 14 in the fourth quarter. How do you let
1: that happen? Yeah,
2: they, they, they outscored Washington (laughs) by 15 in the fourth quarter, LA or not LA, excuse me. Las Vegas was down by more than 20 points at, at, one point during this game and came back to get the victory. So fun victory for Las Vegas. And maybe again, it could be rust. We don't know what it is. It's, it's it's tough, but it's a really interesting game. Asia having a really solid game to pull this out. 20 points, 14 rebounds. So a really big night for Asia. Campage with 17, Uh, Chelsea Gray pitching in 11 assists. Just overall, a really solid and actually a really good game from Jackie Young as well, chipping in 14 points. But this Washington team, I thought for sure we're coming out of this and Washington's looking just mean and nasty and like going to take Las Vegas just and, and smoke them and couldn't couldn't hold on quite long enough. Las, Las Vegas made a, a run at the end of the game to to get this W. But Logan, what is this what did this game did this game tell you much about Washington or Las Vegas? Did, did this game speak too much about either one of these teams?
1: It's tempting to say that Washington lost this game more than Vegas won it, but I'm I'm not going to go that way. I think this is what great teams do. And I think Vegas is a great team. They were down, the score was 62-42 with under 4 left in the third quarter. Ooh. So a quarter and a half uh was all was all it took. I mean, just a huge, just a huge comeback. I mean, I, I want to say that's what great teams do, but even great teams, if they fall behind by that much, like that,
2: that game is sometimes huge. they'll reach, make it but, happen.
1: Um, I, I think it's worth being a little afraid of this Vegas team. You can look at this and say, Oh, well, they struggled with the Washington team. It's not very good, but I tend to think of this as this team has so many weapons. They can strike you from any distance. They can go on huge runs. It doesn't necessarily have to be against bad teams. They went from, what did I say, 42 points with not very much time left in in the third. I mean, they put up 13 points yeah. and then 29 in the fourth quarter. That, you don't see a quarter that big in you know the short quarter WNBA very often. They almost doubled their score at that point. Yeah, so that's... I think this tells me a lot about this aces team. They're resilient. They want to get back to the championship. They want to get the one seed. All those things I think matter to them. They know this is kind of the the final leg of the season and that there's not a lot of separation amongst those top three teams right now. Mm. And they have an opportunity to do that. So tells me a lot about them. And it tells me a lot about, I mean, this Washington team is having a rough year. They're struggling. There's, you know, you can blame injury for that. All all we want, but the team that they have on the floor should have been able to protect that lead and they didn't. Um, I don't know. I that's my t- I I'm more impressed with Vegas than anything. That's my overall impression of that game.
2: Let's go ahead and and discuss this Atlanta Phoenix game. Yeah. Again, part 1 of a two-part series here of of these matchups. Courtney Williams. Atlanta lost, but Courtney Williams drops a 30 bomb. <laughs> including five boards and six assists, one turnover. She's so good. Atlanta either needs to do something
1: or she needs to capitalize on her very high stock and go some. Like, I don't know where, I don't know what it's a good fit for her. I haven't thought about it that much, but I I want Courtney Williams in the playoffs.
2: Yeah. Playoff Courtney Williams is a great Courtney Williams. Just absolutely phenomenal performance. 14 for 27 for on the from the floor just absolutely scorching and really really big the problem is not a single other person on her team was even able to reach double digit points no. so Ended up losing by nine to a Phoenix Mercury squad who had five players in double digits, including 19 from Skydig. So a big game for Atlanta, the the Phoenix player that really stood out to me in this game was Sophie Cunningham. Boom. Dropping 17 in 23 minutes off the bench. Yes. Huge game for, for Sophie there. I thought basically what happened is, is she comes off the bench. She's with that second unit. That doesn't always increase the lead. Sometimes we'll lose ground, but she slowed down how much ground they lost, if that makes sense. You know, when when Griner and Skydig and Tarasi, you know, when those players come off the court and you have Cunningham coming onto the court, she did enough to keep things rolling and and make sure that Phoenix wasn't going to lose too much ground in, in this battle. So I thought that was a great performance from Sophie.
1: Yeah, Sunday's Phoenix game, if if you're listening to this episode because you need to catch up uh, yourself on the goings-on of the league, this is the beginning of what I will call Phoenix's heating up. And you really don't want the Mercury to get hot going into the playoffs. Remember, this is a team that plays the the big three all at the end of the year. They have a pretty easy schedule up until that point, and then they will play seattle vegas Connecticut right before the playoffs and we'll kind of see them test their metal against the best that the, the league has to offer and don't don't let them get hot right to they they're heating up uh, Trazi's kind of quietly putting together like really good back-to-back performances after the Olympics where you know before the Olympics we didn't even know how healthy she was to a pair of double doubles between Brittany Griner and Brianna Turner who are just gobbling up every rebound in that yeah. game uh Sophie Cunningham as you mentioned contributing 17. They're starting to play more balanced, Skydig is starting to look like someone who wants to do something in the playoffs. And their team like they're the quintessential mid-tier team that suddenly you're facing in the playoffs and you're sort of like, "Oh, I don't want to play that." Right. Like like Minnesota kind of had their coming out party. We know that they're scary. I think Phoenix is getting a little slept on so far.
2: Yeah, I think Phoenix could be really, really solid down the stretch, down the back uh back stretch of this this season. So this was a this was a good win to come back in. You know, it wasn't too stressful. Wasn't, you know, a, ter- a terrible team to match up against. But, you know, gets secures the W. New York, Minnesota pretty much ended up exactly as i expected these two teams so when when they matched up new york i feel like hasn't been super impressive as of late and minnesota's looked really really good so i kind of expected this to be a minnesota victory especially in you know in minnesota uh so they come away with a 10 point w over new york big game from fouls as per usual uh Securing a double-double, 20 points, 11 rebounds. Nafisa also comes away with a double-double, 18 points, 10 boards. However, Logan, I think the player of this game, uh, that had everybody's eyes, you know, opened was Natasha Howard. Yeah, Natasha's return was the story of this game more than the
1: result for me. Mm. Um Howard, Howard going, coming back and going big in her first game back. That was a statement. I, it sucks that they didn't get the win, but I feel like that matters more than, win loss column in this one.
2: Yeah, I, I felt like the 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 hope moving forward is you know that you've got Bentnijah. You know that Onyenwere is looking pretty solid as a as a rookie. Whitcomb is your three point specialist. Unescu's you know not quite what you expected but 14 seven and
1: six is a is a tidy
2: you know that's that's totally fine. It's 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 not it's not earth shattering but You're playing at the highest level of women's basketball and you're, you're still posting a solid stat line like that. It's fine. But to have, to add Natasha Howard to this mix and, and have her come in and, and immediately drop 30 is, that's big. That, that's, I think that's big for the confidence of New York moving forward. They unfortunately just faced a really, really tough Minnesota team. And so I don't have too much more to say about it other than that.
1: I I have one more note on Minnesota, and that's that this team is refining itself. Even after going on that hot streak before the Olympics, they are still getting better. Collier and Fowles, always great. Fowles, probably a shoe-in for Defensive Player of the Year if she keeps this up. McBride is starting to look like the player they acquired in the offseason. Kayla McBuckets, when she's on, can be the third player of like a really solid playoff-ready Big 3. And she's not that every night. She hasn't been consistent all season, but she looked like that tonight. Also, Natalia Chan was returned. Yeah, a welcome one. Uh, good to see her out there. She she contributed. I don't think she had a monster night by any means, but um, able to go out there and at least make some some shots from the the foul line count. And I don't know. She just hasn't been on the team. They they waved Natasha Mack brought her back. We'll see if Natasha lands anywhere. But this Minnesota team is gearing itself up, and if McBride is. Like fully operational, (laughs) it's going to be very fun.
2: I want to let's move ahead to Indiana, Los Angeles now. Indy, you you had them. (laughs) This was a game that Indiana easily could have won if they just yeah if they just could have made a shot. This was a terrible shooting performance, absolutely horrid, and they were getting good looks. That was the thing: is this Indiana team? If you watched this game. You thought that Indiana probably was the better team and that LA was coming away squeaking out a win over an obviously better team. But I'm not taking anything away from LA, but Indiana could not put the ball in the hoop. Just couldn't do it. They, all that, all it was, was LA got out
1: to that early 10 point lead, Mm -hmm. which by the end of the first had all but evaporated. Like the quarter ended and it was 26, 22, but they got out to an early lead. And then the rest of the game, they played so even, and they just survived. It was just a game of attrition. Indeed looked like the better team, Mm -hmm. but Holy crap, it matters a little spoiler here, but the sparks also captured a win tonight on Tuesday, the night of this recording and a couple wins in a row for them suddenly has them looking at an outside playoff spot. So boy, I mean, <laughs> Indiana could have really frustrated uh, the Sparks plans for the season. And now it looks like the Sparks are you know, someone that we've got to worry
2: about. Yeah, uh, absolutely. The The Sparks. Listen, if you come out and you have a, a kind of a an ugly win against Indiana and then you can come back and actually and you can beat Atlanta, you have to win those games. If you're L.A., you want to go play spoiler and you want to try and see if you can squeak into the playoffs here. That's your goal. You have to get wins against teams like Indiana and Atlanta. And that's exactly what the Sparks have done over the last three days. Yeah. Brittany Sykes is my favorite player on that team.
1: She has been phenomenal. And that's, you know, Neka Gumake and Erica Wheeler are probably the names that people know. I think Brittany Sykes is, like, Mm -hmm. I I mentioned this in pre-record. In two years, the Sparks might be a bunch of players that are not currently wearing
2: L.A. colors and Brittany Sykes. And I'd be totally fine with that. She's, she's been a blast to, to watch and not just off, cause she does it. She takes care of the ball on offense and, and really handles things well, but she's really, really solid defensively. You know, just one of the, one of the absolute anchors of an LA Sparks defense that, that needs more anchors. Um, so that was a, that was a big game there. Uh, t- uh Kelsey Mitchell dropping 20 points for Indiana shot. Okay, went nine for 21, so shot 43% from the field. Not fantastic. But, uh, just overall, this was, this, this didn't seem like a, f- an extra special game. This looked like two teams who weren't very good playing against each other. That is not the case with the second Sparks game that we're going to talk about here in just a little bit. But this was, this just didn't yeah. feel This didn't feel like a a great WNBA basketball game. A fun,
1: fun little tidbit. 13 minutes off the bench for Lauren Cox, who now plays in L.A. She was waived earlier in the season by Indiana in a move that made no sense to anybody. And she didn't have like, I think she recorded like three rebounds and no points. It wasn't like she had a big game, but she's still a rotational player in L.A. And L.A. is doing a lot better than the Fever are at this point. So, right. I just wanted to throw that out there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that basically finishes up Sunday. Logan, I just want to take a, a glance back before we move on to the games that happened today. Just looking back at those six games that Sunday, which to you was the one that like maybe caught your attention the most? Regardless of the
1: circumstances, I'm always shocked whenever the storm lose uh just because it doesn't happen very often. And I know The Aces are actually the number one team in the league right now with the best record, but I just, every time the Storm lose, I just think that is a surprise, especially in overtime, which they've, they're now three and two in overtime this year. I think they've played five overtime games.
2: That's wild. And a couple other games that are like within one, like one or two possessions. Yeah. Lots of, lots of
1: close games. And so I, I don't hold this one against them because the best player on earth was taking a little bit of a, a day after as we mentioned at the top of the show like she's she's been pretty busy right uh but not having stewie out there really colors that but you know that's the one that stands out to me just because it's it's just a surprise anytime i see them lose everybody else is like like the result isn't a surprise like like the fact that the aces were so close to losing losing to the mystics and they came back from 20 down like it was impressive but the ultimate result is like yeah the aces the Links. The sun, all the best teams, I think, beat all the worst teams with the exception of that Chicago game.
2: Yes. Um, let's move on to the games that happened today. Holy crap. This was a fun <laughs> slate of games this was today. This the best. This was easily the best day of the year. Looking at the final scores, you're not overly like, oh man, like, I, these are all must watch games. I promise you, these. The vast majority of these games today were must-watch, absolutely fun basketball games that that I just, uh, yeah, I was so glad that I had the time tonight to actually sit down and watch most of these.
1: It it could just be that we were like like so thirsty for action after like five weeks off, but I think this is the best yeah. day of the season without question.
2: Yeah, this day I think beats out Sunday for sure. Let's start out with the with the with the game that I, I wouldn't call it surprising. I'll say that I uh, I didn't anticipate this this score. I wouldn't say I was surprised, but I didn't anticipate that this would be the final result. Minnesota and Connecticut. Minnesota had been on I think at this point an eight game winning streak, so they're hot as it gets. and they came in and Connecticut did to Minnesota what they had done to Dallas just a couple of days prior. They jumped out to a massive lead, 27 to 14 after the first quarter. That's tough to overcome for anyone. It's especially tough to overcome if the people that are up are the Connecticut Sun. Yeah, that's a that's a hard, hard lead to cut into playing against a team as as with, you know, that's the quality of basketball that Connecticut puts out. Do you remember when we were previewing
1: the commissioners cup and I said a dumb opinion about how maybe if Seattle loses, that'll actually like kick them into world beater gear the rest of the season. Yeah. Well, Seattle won and now Connecticut is on the war path. Like they dismantle <laughs> Dallas by 20 plus and then they go in and they take Minnesota's eight game win streak and they drop it like Spanish 10 10. Like they nobody is <laughs> messing with Connecticut right now. And and they're now 16 and six with I mean, they have everything rolling right now. A double double from John Quill Jones still in the MVP conversation, in my opinion. Sylvia Fowles had a good game, but really struggled to contain on defense. And that's been this Lynx team's bugaboo all year. It was consistency on the defensive
2: end. This was a phenomenal game from Connecticut. John Quill. Follows up uh, a 19.15 rebound performance from Sunday with a 17.13 rebound performance. Just the double doubles are like the fact that she's rebounding almost as many points as much as she's scoring is, is absolutely nuts. Now she wasn't the player of this game though for, for Connecticut. She was not Logan. How about you introduce someone else who, uh, absolutely looked phenomenal against the minnesota leaks
1: let us discuss professional stat sheet stuffer jasmine thomas oh my goodness who just went like just so frustrating if you're minnesota because she was all over the place 19 (laughs) points five assists couple rebounds in there three steals um you just she was perfect from the line six of 12 shooting like it's the type of night that Even if it were a close game, it probably would have made the difference. But it wasn't a close game because she was just destroying worlds out there. And that's this Connecticut team's strength is John Quayle can get hers and kind of void whatever whatever big you can throw down on. You know, every every team that's going to go deep in the playoffs has a a star forward. Right. That's that's going to be out there Mm -hmm. getting getting stats. John Quayle Jones can kind of nullify that. Who else steps up in her place? And in, in the Connecticut Suns. You know, locker room, they've got DeWanna Bonner and Jasmine Thomas. As good of a 2-3 punch, if John Quell is the one, as you'll find in the league, except maybe Seattle. And on on a given night, I think Jewel Lloyd is the best like second option player in the league. And Bree Stewart is the best first option in the league, which is why Seattle's so good. But Sue Bird slowing down a little bit compared to a Jasmine Thomas and Dwana Bonner who are hungry. That's a
2: series that I want to see Connecticut, Seattle as, as much of a blowout as the commissioner's cup was, that is not indicative of, That's a weird game. The potential that was just, it, it was, it felt off. It just felt really, really weird. Connecticut's much better than they showed in that game. And I would love to see a playoff matchup between Connecticut and Seattle. Yeah. I think it would be, I, I don't think it would be a beat down. I don't think it would be a, a, a sweep. I think it would probably go five games and I really, really like what I'm seeing from Connecticut. I think, yeah, it's exactly what you said. They got the wake-up call against Seattle, and now they're on the rampage. Now they're on the warpath, just taking out teams left and right. This is a Minnesota Lynx team that is as good as it has been, is, is better than anybody else in the league over the last month, month and a half. And Connecticut ran him out of the gym. It wasn't even, it wasn't even a game after halftime. Like it was just a complete dismantling. So yeah. And and Jasmine Thomas is probably the big X factor there, not just on offense, but defensively seemed to just frustrate the, the Minnesota guards and did a fantastic job there. Connecticut's homestand is a five game
1: at home against the first against Minnesota. They've already played. They play Minnesota again vegas and then sparks sparks before going on a four-game road trip so tough one against vegas but an opportunity here to climb up i mean if they if they can get the vegas game they can take the the one seed. yeah the one seed is going to be up for grabs the rest of the season and there's 10 games left to play so don't get too excited just yet but it's gonna juggle i think it's gonna pass uh through a couple different hands for sure Moving
2: on to Chicago and Dallas.
1: Oh, this is my favorite game.
2: <laughs> this, this is a fun one, dude. Chicago now coming off a, a victory against the Storm, and Dallas after getting completely dismantled by Connecticut. Dallas comes up and plays spoiler in Chicago, and and comes out with an eighty to seventy six victory. Alicia Gray just leading leading the way for this Dallas wing squad, dropping twenty points. Now, if you told me. That a Chicago Sky team, who was sitting, you know, comfortably toward the top part of the of the standings, was about to play a Dallas Wings team who was sitting Satu Sabali and that Marina Mabry was gonna have a really poor game. What were the odds that Chicago was gonna win? I'd no, have given it, it like ninety eight percent Chicago victory here.
1: All you had to say is Marina Mabry's gonna have five points, and I would have been like, oh, so Chicago won
2: by fifteen. And Sabalis and Saboli doesn't play. Yeah. yeah. So Chicago is going to win double digits easy. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This was a, this was a, an absolutely phenomenal game from Alicia Gray, Izzy Harrison and Arike Agumboale, all, all three of those players just went off.
1: This game ruled. People on Twitter were excited about it. it I feel bad for my Sky Fam because they're back to 11 and 11, and it's a game they probably should have won. But they lost by four in a game where Ali Quigley shot seven of nine from beyond the arc yeah. and went for 27. It's prompting, by the way, the, my favorite tweet of the night, which was an account that I don't even follow, but it was some stranger's account that just said, that white girl on Chicago's got a flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> she was unconscious. And it didn't matter because the the Dallas Wings were just having like somehow Bella Allery scored eight points but was plus 20 for the game. Like, I don't understand it. I I don't question it. It just it felt like a Wings team that finally figured out how to move the ball and play team basketball a little bit. And it looked a good shooting night for sure. Not every night are you gonna get Harrison and Alicia Gray and, and Jefferson all basically shooting like above 50%. Right. But geez, guys, like that's this is the Dallas Wings team I want to see in the playoffs play spoiler. I I know Minnesota is dangerous, but I think they've established themselves as like a truly elite group, albeit inconsistent. Dallas is such a wild card. If if you've told me Dallas is gonna play the Connecticut Sun, who we just sung the praises of minutes ago, in a one game, like single elimination, I'd I'd be scared, man. (laughs) I'd be scared.
2: Dallas is a scary team. You look at, yeah, you look at their record of who they've played and, and the kind of games that they've played against some of these top teams in the league. Dallas is scary, man. Now (laughs) there's, there's a caveat here for, for Sky fans. Parker, Candace Parker did go out with an injury. Hopefully it's nothing too serious. Uh, it was, a, I believe, an ankle sprain. It w- was the diagnosis on it. But between uh, that that aside, if you've got Candace Parker, Courtney Vandersloot, and Steph Dolson combining for eight points, you're probably not going to win a ton of games, regardless of Alley Quigley going for 27. That's a rough slate there. Here's a tough conversation to have. With Sky fans or as a Sky fan with the
1: general public, you got to be able to win some games without Candace. Yeah, like I understand she was your big off-season pickup and she was supposed to make you, you know, she she used the piece you needed to go from like, you know, we were in the playoffs every year and we're a good group, but now we're a true contender. But that energy from the beginning of the season where people were like, this is I'm going to be a Chicago Sky fan. I'm going to watch the WNBA because this team's going to be so good that the team was good before Candace got there and they haven't acted like it. You know, if, if Candace isn't on the floor, they look lost. And that is weird. I, I don't, I, I put some of it at, at the, at the footsteps of, uh, of James Wade. uh, cause I, I don't feel like they look prepared when, when she's out there. And I, I feel like some of that might be coaching, but they just, they look like they, they don't have defined roles. And that's so weird because they, like, what did you do last year? Like, I, I realized that they <laughs> lost heartbreakingly in the playoffs last year, but like, you were still so good, and we thought you were going to go deep, and like, like, where is that? Like, they probably shouldn't have lost this game to Dallas, right? Like, a bad maybe no. game, and and no Sobley. and a twenty-seven point night from Alley, and it didn't matter. Like, I guess what I'm saying is they need to remember that Candace was supposed to be the piece that put them over the hump, not the engine that made the entire team go. And without her, they're dead in the water because that's what they've been this year.
2: Yeah. It has not looked, has not looked good for Dow or not Dow, excuse me, for Chicago on several occasions. It's looked very good for Chicago at certain points during the season. The consistency's not there. I, I agree with everything that you just said if Candace Parker is your big season acquisition and you guys were just one piece away from being a a title contender, you're squeaking out wins and you're, you're snagging some L's left and right. Ah, It's not happening. I don't know what it is, but you got to fix something Chicago. It's it's, it's too late in the season to say, Hey, we'll figure it out soon. No, the soon has to be yesterday. It has to be right now.
1: Yeah. Let's talk about that. The, the ankle is the same as, uh, was previously injured james wade says not as much swelling it's not as bad that's good because we saw the picture of it before and it was really gross yeah it was bad so she but she's still probably gonna miss a little bit of time like they have four uh four days until their next game but it's against the Lynx. uh and then they go on mm. the road for four games two of which are at seattle so if she's not back in 10 days they've got two games at seattle that they're gonna lose <laughs> like she, they need her back by August 27th.
2: Yes. It's, yeah. It, or else it's going to be, they're going to continue to drop in the standings because they're not in a place right now. After tonight, they're two games out of missing the playoffs.
1: What's, what's really dangerous? I think they'll make the playoffs, but they might be the team that ends up facing Dallas or Phoenix.
2: They might be a, a six, seven matchup against Dallas or a six or a five, eight matchup against Phoenix, perhaps like. And those are two teams that are
1: just as hungry and you know, I, I probably wouldn't bet on Dallas. I just said they were wild cards so it could go either way, but I'd probably bet on Phoenix. Yeah. I think a playoff Phoenix that's playing as well as they are right now against Chicago. That's just looked disjointed a lot of this year. You don't want that. So, I mean, hope for a a quick recovery. I hope Candace is okay. I like when the sky are good. If, if they can come to themselves, if diamond to shields can find it in her to like, Dig out a little bit of twenty nineteen Diamond to Shields and stop being poor. Yeah. That would help the team a lot. If Kalia Copper can continue to take steps into being this team's future, maybe that's enough to carry them forward. Obviously Allie Quigley and Courtney Vandersluit are gonna keep getting it done, but it hasn't been enough lately, and that's
2: really frightening. Let's move forward to the Mystics and the Aces. <laughs> All right. This yeah. is part part two of this series here. Um, Mystics really sticking around. Now this, you're going to look at this. It's a 93 to 83 victory. Sometimes that's deceiving because, you know, oh, double digit victory. This was a much closer game. It was a five point game with a minute left. And for a large portions of this game, the Mystics were up and in fact were up, I believe eight at the half. Mystics looked really solid against Las Vegas on both of these games came out with no victories in either of these two games and they really, really could have gotten at least one of these two, they were leading pretty significantly in both of them ended up losing both of them. However, just taking a look at, at not just the box score, but like just remembering what happened in this game. This was a massive game for, uh for Kelsey plum coming off the bench, 24 points, five assists, three boards. She came to play. She went eight of 13 from the field and three for four from behind the arc. Kelsey Plum, especially down the stretch, she was the one making free throws to seal the deal. Like this was a massive, massive game for Kelsey Plum. And if not for her, this was easily a Mystics W. Yeah. Easily a Mystics W.
1: This is a really precarious position for the Mystics to be in because they are still eight and 12. So they're not out of it. Well, you've got teams like the Sparks that kind of look like they're shaping up and figuring things out and too tough i mean really good team right you go into vegas you play two games you kind of expect to sure. lose both of them but you play that well and lose both of them and it, it stings extra bad yes uh, i will say this we haven't had the mvp uh, update discussion in a little while but if you were going to be an mvp on an 8 and 12 team this is what it would look like tina charles goes 30 and 10 right jeez you know, <laughs> uh, Ariel Atkins also had a really good game, but really nobody else stepped up and they really could have used a third player. <laughs> Every time I talk about the Mystics, it just sucks because it's like, you know who they really could have used? An Elena Deladon type to, <laughs> to go in and be like a third, yeah. you know, option for them.
2: Elena Deladon or Emma Mieseman or yeah. uh, Alicia Clark or literally anyone. <laughs> yeah, they could really benefit from having
1: like one more all-star caliber player, but yeah, yeah. The, this is a Rachel Gallagher take that I think everybody is on board with. The Aces are scary because they have so many ways they can beat you. They have so many yeah. weapons. Kelsey Plum coming off the bench for twenty four is just mean. You know, you you take that in comparison to what we talked about with Chicago today, where it's like, Ooh, like I don't think Chicago is going to beat a team that has someone that can come and be a flamethrower off the bench. So they they have these advantages that other teams don't. They they also have Asia Wilson, who I frequently refer to Stewie as the best player on the planet. But when we talk about the aces, Asia is the best player on the planet. Yeah, (laughs) I I have. I I maintain that I am allowed to switch whenever it suits my purposes on the pod. So,
2: (laughs) yeah, Asia with 19 and 14 with five assists. That's a big two game series for
1: Vegas, even though it might not look like it because it's just Washington. But that's they're in first place now because of two.
2: Close yeah. It, it, during this game, prior to them winning this game, it was actually a three-way tie for first place. Connecticut, Seattle and Las Vegas all had the exact same record. So that was really kind of an interesting like this interstitial time that we had in between, you know, the Connecticut victory and the Las Vegas victory today where... All three of those teams at the top of the uh, the top of the pile were were tied for first place, and now with Las Vegas winning, they advance up into first place with a with a half game lead over the other two. So, uh, yeah, it's it's really interesting to see how this how this kind of has played out because Las Vegas has looked very vulnerable against the Mystics the last two games, and yet just when you think they might be out of it, they turn around and and come back in. In this case, win by ten. If you're a general W fan, uh, obviously, if
1: you're a Vegas fan, but if, if you like don't super have a team or if your team isn't doing very well, you're probably going to want to watch all the Aces games from here on out. And it's not just because they're good and they're fun. And Asia Wilson's just a joy to watch play basketball, but their schedule, I mean, they're, they're playing the Titan that is the Connecticut Sun post commissioners cup loss on what is that next Tuesday? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're on break for a little while, but then they're at Connecticut sun. They have three games against Chicago in September. They play Minnesota and Dallas, which are big wild card teams. And then their last game of the season is at Phoenix, who we've talked about as maybe heating up. So every one of the, I mean, we're W fans. We talk about the schedule all the time. It's like, Ooh, that's a good game, but it's because we like watch all of them. But if you're struggling <laughs> to like, keep up with all the games, because there's like five or six on per night, and you can only pick one. Pay attention to when Vegas is playing because those are going to be really impactful games the rest of the year.
2: Let's go ahead and take a look at the next game here on the docket, uh Indiana and Phoenix. Now this game, Logan. <laughs> this uh, game, Indy. And 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 I'm going to give a similar intro to our last game of the night here, but this game right here, let me just talk to you about this game. Indiana came out and absolutely looked the better team tonight. For, uh, now, for a
1: lot of it, not the third quarter, they fell apart a little bit. For
2: for the majority of it, the third quarter was a little bit rough, but the majority of this game, Indiana looked like the better team. Skydig went out with an injury early on. Hopefully, we're going to see her return. She was only out on the court for just a you know a little over a minute. She went out with an injury. Hopefully, it's nothing too serious, and she's able to return soon. That being said, and I... I understand that Skydig's a big player. Phoenix, if you've got Griner, Tarasi, Kian Nurse, and a, a solid, you know, Sophie Cunningham coming off the bench, you should be fine. You should be fine against this Indiana fever squad. This this was a good game. This wasn't like, oh Phoenix,
1: let him hang game. around. This is like two like interesting good teams were playing.
2: That's my point with and, this, and one is of them is that, was Indiana. Is that, You shouldn't be doing that to the quote-unquote Indiana Fever. However, Indiana didn't look like the Indiana Fever that we've seen this season. Indiana looked like a team who should be in the playoffs tonight. This looked like a playoff caliber Indiana Fever team. It wasn't that Phoenix was playing so terribly. Indiana played great basketball tonight. They took care of the ball. They rebounded well. They had, you know, they moved the ball really well. They actually got into a little bit of foul trouble. They had Tierra McCowan. They couldn't keep Tierra McCowan on the floor, which then allows Brittany yeah. Griner to get rolling. You take Tierra McCowan off, this is a very shallow front court. And especially, I think they had four players on their injury list tonight. So this is a very shallow team in general, and especially in the front court. And if McCowan's in foul trouble, you would think that Phoenix would run away with this. No. This Indiana team stepped up, shot very, very well, especially from behind the arc, and, uh, and and had a great, great game. Kelsey Mitchell dropping 20 points. Man, Kelsey Mitchell was
1: one shot away from glory in, in this game. She she took 20 shots, made eight of them. She was really like the the bulk of... I mean, everybody else in the starting five was pretty efficient. Jessica Breeland, not much of a scorer, but... Like right. this is a really balanced probably the most balanced we've seen Indiana um, kind of even out the scoring. Uh, as you mentioned, McCowan went for nine and ten, but was dealing with foul trouble. They had Vivian's come big off the bench.
2: Vivian's was a huge, huge part of this game.
1: She came in and shot. She was five of nine from beyond the arc doing like maybe she should have been out there. I don't know. I, I'm not laying the loss at the feet solely of Kelsey Mitchell. I'm just saying she like she is a, a player that I would trust to hit a big shot at the end of the game. She's done it before this year already. I know that seems weird because Indiana's lost so many games, but she's the the ones that they've won, it's because Robinson and, and Mitchell really knocked down some big jumpers. In the last minute and a half of this game, mm-hmm. three different times it was a one possession game. Yes. And three different times they couldn't get it to fall. <laughs> it's just it, it sucks. It sucks, uh it kills like Mitchell did like she she scored the driving layup um to keep it close at the end. It wasn't like she didn't make anything um Victoria Vivens hit a huge three pointer with like right under a minute left to keep it within two, but she, uh, just couldn't get the like they, there was a lot of opportunity, I think they were down six to start the fourth quarter mm-hmm. and they just kind of yeah, phoenix. To their credit, kind of held them, yeah, held him at arm's reach for a lot of the quarter. And then right at the end, it started to, it, it you know, they started to choke it away and they just couldn't get the dagger to fall. Right. Big night from Griner. She's still playing like close to MVP basketball.
2: Griner for sure. I think they, there was a graphic that popped up. I'm blanking on which game it was because I had three of them up at the time, but there was a, Graphic that popped up that listed Bree Stewart, John Quell Jones, uh, Asia Wilson and Tina Charles as MVP candidates. And all I'm saying is Griner should definitely be in discussion. If you're going to hold and I'm not necessarily, you know, subscribing to this, uh, this form of thinking, but if you're going to maybe hold Tina Charles back a little bit because her team record isn't, uh, as, as good as maybe Asia's and Stewie's is and, uh, and John Quayle's, if you're going to, Do that, but you're still going to consider her a candidate. Why are you not considering Brittany Griner as a candidate as well? Griner is is playing phenomenal basketball. You know who else had a good game tonight? DT. Yeah. Tarasi went for twenty two points, seven boards, seven assists. I I think it's getting overshadowed because it's not like she's not putting up thirties. Yeah. It's just like
1: oh, I put in eighteen, and I'm yo, I still scare the crap out of everybody on the court when i when i take shots yes. late in games i think that's a that's our producer jason's uh i think his the take that i liked that he gave at the beginning of the season when we were previewing this mercury team he's like how do i describe diana Taurasi? well she's the player you least want to see taking a shot against your team at the end of the game like that's <laughs> yeah. it doesn't matter if she's zero for 20 if she's taking the shot and like right at the top of the season, she had a game winner. So she like her chest was cracked in half for like half the season. And now it looks like she's healthy. And now the Phoenix Mercury, have got it going
2: on. It's true. Like she's pushing 40 years old and dropping a stat line like this. Like it, it's she's phenomenal. She's, she's doing fantastic work. Big game. I love this game all the way down the stretch. Again, all I got to say is Fever fans this is this team tonight is the team that you're hoping to see the rest of the way, unless you're really tanking for Ryan Howard out of Kentucky for next season. Which uh as that has not been the case, the lottery has not fallen the way of the of the fever the last no. couple times they've had that opportunity. No, it hasn't. Uh they keep they they you know, they should get the number one pick and they get like the third. <laughs> so so it's been a little rough for Indiana in the lottery. So uh if you're not gonna get the lottery, which hasn't happened play like you did tonight because that was a fun fun game against a team who as logan was saying earlier could make the push to be even potentially a, a first round buy type of type of team in the playoffs so really like what we saw yes. out of both of these teams. by the way Brittany
1: griner is now up to number five in windchairs um including number three in offensive win shares behind asia and jonquil
2: yeah and not only that she's fourth in the league in points per game and fourth in the league in rebounds per game. Like
1: she's, she's, I don't think she should necessarily be anyone's number one MVP candidate, but if she's not in your top five, she might
2: need to be. I don't think anybody has established themselves as this is the person we all have to beat to win the MVP. I think it's still a really close race. My point is Brittany's not probably your MVP. Number one, she should be in your top four or five at minimum. Yeah. Logan, we got one last game, and we've talked a lot of games tonight. So we're if all of them great, if, if the, but the, we got one last game. This game, and I said this about the last game, but this game Atlanta LA man, <laughs> which I, if you'd have told me, I would have been on the edge of my seat stoked about an Atlanta LA game earlier tonight. These are two teams who have lost a lot of my interest over the season, and dude... Yeah, I messaged you, like, this
1: is basically the fight for which team are we going to care about the rest of the season. Yeah, like exactly. And which team is basically going to be sent packing. This was a winner-go-home, winner-leave-town type of match between Atlanta and, and L.A., and I, I'll i tell you what, this isn't just, like, gassing up one of the teams for the sake of the show. I'm legitimately more interested in the LA Sparks after this Sunday and Tuesday turn yeah. than I ever thought we would be at the beginning of the season. I thought they were toast. Well, yeah, they
2: were on a six-game losing streak, and they came back. Now, again, we understand they were playing Indiana and Atlanta. We get it. We get it. You're, we're gonna. I can guarantee we're gonna get like four tweets when this releases tomorrow. Guaranteed, four tweets coming in saying, "Hey, they only played the two worst teams in the league." We, sure. Okay. That aside. Is that your voice of public opinion? That was a really good voice. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I can, I don't know. I can just picture. No, I get it. I get it. I get it. I can picture the generic like person that's going to send it please send it and I, it's probably going to be one of like a really awesome followers of the show. That's like really cool. It's going to be, Rosenberg. they're going to send it. Um, <laughs> it they're going to send it just to like get at me and I'm just going to ignore you just so you know, the, I'm
1: the not going <laughs> to win five games in a row and you could still play that game. You could be like, Oh, it's Atlanta. and And then after that's New York and after that's Washington, like I know those yeah. are all better wins than Indiana, but like, they could win, they could go on a five-game winning streak, which at the beginning of the season was unfathomable. And I think you still have people saying, like, but they haven't beat anybody good. As of
2: like yesterday, it was unfathomable for it's me. Still a
1: little bit, I'm like, I don't yeah. know, but they're eight and thirteen. And we've been talking a lot of Mystics, and the Mystics played really well this week. They're eight and twelve. So yeah. if, if you were think thinking like I was thinking that Los Angeles was just dead to rights, it's time to rewrite. I mean, I, I know a lot of us. We're kind of considering them not being in the playoffs at the beginning of the season, a little bit of a hot take. And then it very quickly looked like, oh, they might be the worst team in the league. Yeah. And now uh, to Steve's point in our chat earlier, he was saying, like, this is a fun group, like not not just like, oh, they're overperforming, but like they're fun to watch Sykes, NECA, Wheeler, Tolliver, Zowie B. That's a that's a fun like win healthy, like a a pretty fun roster.
2: And Coffee is such a fun player to, to watch come off the bench. Like I love Nia Coffee. This is a fun Sparks team that I was actually excited to see. I did not anticipate the spark. In fact, I had them missing the playoffs. I had them in ninth place. But I expected to at least enjoy watching them play. <laughs> and for the for the last like six or seven weeks, no. Like it has been it's not been fun. Ellie's not looked good. You know, their last fun stretch I felt like was when they, you know, went, when they beat Chicago up uh, towards the beginning of the season. These last two games, especially the one tonight, they looked fun. They looked like the kind of team that I'm, I'm excited to, to see play. It, is, it was Atlanta or, uh, excuse me, Los Angeles at its best. Uh, because we, yes. we talked
1: a little bit about Brittany Sykes earlier, but leading, uh, six LA players in double figures tonight with 17. To win an over, this was an overtime game. I don't know if we mentioned 85 to 80 in overtime. It was very close even in overtime. Uh, might not look like it was, but like very much the, the outcome of the game was in question basically every second of this game. Um, even some of the stuff that made this game a little messy was fun. That's, that's one of the things you don't really get from the box score. You might see like, yes. oh, they missed a lot of threes and like there were, there were things that weren't necessarily all that great like there were some turnover issues between the two teams but it was so evenly matched and the intensity was so good and both teams were so bought in it definitely felt like the locker rooms had talked about like hey like we're back from the break we've knocked some rust off on sunday it's time to go yeah and it's cool to see two teams step up their game like that that you know early
2: in the season just looked like they might just punt the whole year i gotta give a, a couple quick shout first of all the sparks dropped 29 assists Jeez. That's a, a if I don't some some of you don't study box scores as as you know in depth as as the four of us do. That's a lot of assists. Like you could score eighty five points and have thirteen assists very easily. To have thirty six, yeah, thirty six made buckets,
1: twenty nine of them off of assists is basically yeah. the the entire game. That's unheard you're Watching of. the ball move in order to score. Yeah, it.
2: the ball movement was phenomenal. That means only seven times did LA actually have to like go off the drive to score or a fast break, just, you know, like uh, a solo fast break. And I can honestly probably think back and identify maybe five or six of those plays off the top of my head, meaning that the rest were all, you know, ball movement type of plays. That was huge. Yeah. Six LA sparks players in, in double figures, odyssey Sims, I think had like 23 or 24 points. I think she had 23 or 24 at the end of the third.
1: Oh, I was going to say she had 26 off of 10 of 27 shooting.
2: Yeah, so she didn't shoot particularly well, but she was hot early and then really cooled off at the end. Because, yeah, during the third quarter, I want to say it was the end of the third. It might have been beginning of the fourth. She had like 23 or 24. And so I was like, dude, she's going to drop a 40 bomb and made like one more bucket after that. It wasn't wasn't great. The end of this game was a fun story, though. End of regulation. Courtney Williams comes down over for, I think, 10 at the time and absolutely drains a dagger to to tie the game up. Goes down, LA doesn't make it. Courtney Williams comes back, hits another shot with just a few seconds left on the clock. So she hasn't made a shot all game and then goes back-to-back jumpers to put Atlanta up two. Yeah. With just a few seconds left on the clock and with, the, with five and a half left. And then the inevitable happens. And that is Christy Tolliver ripping the heart out of a pony of, of opposing fans. Cause Tolliver comes down with a move that I swear I've seen Tolliver do maybe 50 times, you know, times winding down kind of a uh, reverses off her right hands reverses, you know, right direction, but kind of fading back left Fade away jumper drains it as time's expiring to send it to overtime. Just a, just a beautiful play. Uh, Probably my play of the week. If I, if I had to pick one so far, just a a great game. And then, you know, to, to have Tolliver hit that to send it to overtime and then LA to get the victory in overtime. That's a fun win for this L.A. Sparks team it's and probably some <laughs> locker room mojo that you yeah. really need heading yeah. into these next couple of games.
1: Yeah. When you watch a team go up to with five seconds left and then you come out with an overtime victory, that does a lot for your your self-esteem. <laughs> it does a lot for how you feel going into the rest of your schedule. Man, I there were two moments we talked about in our chat that felt like. Yeah, you know, Atlanta's six and 15. They're not in the playoff hunt. They've had some dysfunction. They've gone through like three coaches since the, before the season. It still feels like <laughs> yeah. the nail in their season was Billings clanking two free throws and then Hawkins airballing a three. Airballing a three. Um, yeah. That, you know, a pretty good look that fell well, well short and was pretty much like, all right, there's 30 seconds left, but this game is over. That felt like not just the end of this game, but like, ooh, Atlanta. Ah, I don't know how much belief they, they're they going to, you know, maybe they've got the leadership and and the players in the locker. Maybe Courtney Williams can call a call a meeting, get people, people fired up. I'd love to see that. But it's like I'm like, I messaged you in the middle of the game. It's like one of these teams is going to lose this game and it might be like our season is shot.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> <Or> like that. <laughs> that's it. This this is where it stops. This game was so much fun because it, I, I didn't anticipate to have this much fun watching these two teams, and it ended up being one of the better games I've watched all season. I already mentioned three plays. I mentioned the back-to-back Courtney Williams jumpers and then the Christy Tolliver jumper to to send it to OT. There was two other plays in this game that I would still consider as like play of the week type, you know, plays. Britney Sykes had a crossover that I felt my own ankles breaking like it was it was so disgusting in the best way. I absolutely it was so nice that and then early on and I know that she down the stretch had a couple of of rough spots, but Billings actually had a solid game. She had 10 points and eight rebounds and the best pass that I saw all night Billings was on a fast break dumped off this really sweet kind of around or you're kind of over around this defender to Odyssey Sims who kind of fades back, like kind of gets hit fouled kind of fading back off of kind of a layup. It tosses it in for a three point play. But that was one of the most uh, awesome like dishes that I've seen in a while from any player. And especially, you know, especially a, a player that's six foot four, playing in the WNBA. That was a great pass. So I gotta give some shout out. Um Billings is gonna be remembered for the two free throws she missed. She should also she had a solid game outside of that. Yeah. I will say I'm I feel really
1: I feel for Courtney Williams. She hit two go-ahead shots in the final minute of this game after having a pretty miserable shooting night. Yeah. And then the the I think the the tying I think the Tolliver shot was over her, you know, over her outstretched arm. Yeah. Just <laughs> send it to overtime. And it's I, I got weird blazery PTSD watching Courtney Williams <laughs> hit these back to back huge shots. Courtney
2: Williams, aka Damian Lillard. <laughs> yeah. It it
1: felt it felt bad. <laughs> yeah. So it uh she's such a good player and I like I want her to team up with somebody and start a new team somewhere.
2: Courtney Williams would actually be a phenomenal candidate to start a franchise in a new location. Go go be the Bay Area teams like 1A yeah.
1: for several years.
2: <laughs> Last thing I'll say about this game, Neka Gumake, one assist and one rebound away from a triple-double. That's after going out and spending a significant portion of the game sitting out with an injury. I thought it did not look good. She went down with her knee. It, the way that she went down and the way that she was holding it, I thought it was going to be some really bad news. Ended up coming back in the game and finishing strong to get the W. Big game from Neka. And you just... I. I love Nekogumike more than I love most humans on the planet. Just so good to see her have this kind of a game and get the result that it was. Just really exciting. Oh yeah, she shot she's she's shot 7 shots and still almost came away with a, a triple double. So, yeah, some other, game from Nega. Uh, some some last little box
1: score nuggets for you if you didn't watch this game. Uh at one point the Dream led by 10 mm. and ended up losing by 5 in OT. They shot 18 free throws. The dream did. They made seven. Yeah. They had a 10 point lead at one point in this game and missed 11 foul shots
2: and lost in overtime. That's a harsh, that's a harsh pill you to can't, swallow. You can't do that. No. <laughs> and <laughs> that's what's hard about this Atlanta team is as fun as this game was. And as, as bright and, and hopeful as portions were for, for this Atlanta dream team just seem to come up with new ways to lose. And that's hard. They need, they need leadership. They need a captain on that boat. They do. And, uh, and I think they've got the right ownership in place. And unfortunately, after now the ownership's gotten in place, it's going to take a minute to get the rest of these pieces all to, to fall into place here. But. I've got faith. I don't think Atlanta is a lost franchise right now. I no. think that they're a franchise in some serious figuring out who they are. I think they have the pieces to do
1: what Dallas is doing this year under yes. correct management.
2: If if Atlanta came back next year with very similar players, if they came back next year with very similar players, maybe made one or two moves, if they came back and ended up being sixth in the league, would not would not surprise me at all you get the right coach and the right, you know, leadership on this team. I think I think this Atlanta team could be a really, really special talent. In fact, I think a lot of team, a lot of people because of the talent that was on this team had them pretty high in their preseason rankings. Just didn't realize all of the things that w- they would have to go through.
1: Yeah, it's not their fault, but there's just no reason to buy in. Yes. They've got, you know, Indiana had this hideous start to the season and they are playing better basketball recently than than Atlanta has. Atlanta played a really good game tonight, but like six wins is pretty close to bottom of the barrel.
2: Well, Logan, that was a lot of games to discuss. It was so fun, and uh, that will not be the case for a lot of our episodes that re- we record at this point in the in the week. Uh, moving forward, you're going to hear uh, a couple different types of episodes coming from us. Generally, we'll have an episode similar to this, not necessarily this exact format. This was just hey. WNBA basketball, there's been 11 games in three days. We got to hit them all. And that's kind of what we did tonight. That will not be always the case. We'll have kind of one show that kind of covers the the league as it sits once a week. And then we'll have some little slightly shorter episodes that we'll release one at a time later on in the week that are a little bit more specific to certain topics as we see fit. So if you have suggestions for those, go ahead and send them. Uh, You can DM us on Twitter. You can email us. Uh, WNBA nation at gmail.com. But yeah, hit us up and let us know if you have ideas for segments on any given week. We we will we'll be hitting those up as well. Logan, anything else before we wrap up the show tonight,
1: depending on when this releases, you're going to have more games coming your way. So be on the lookout for that. The season is back in full swing. Nothing personal to plug. We hit the the show plugs earlier. Again, please leave a five-star review. If you haven't already, we'll read it on the air. We'll give you your, your laurels, your praises, <laughs> Uh, yes, And we, we really appreciate those. We we want to continue to move up the ranks as we uh, we do all these back end changes that we've been talking about to kind of um, get the show out there. Uh, so share it with your friends and family. Get on, uh, get on the Twitch chat one of these nights when we're recording and see what that's about. I promise I, I wasn't a Twitch user. I thought it was like for watching people playing video games and I didn't understand it. But now that we're on it, it's a it's a really cool platform. And it's it's one of the things the subscriptions through Twitch are are what allow us to kind of monetize the show without costing our followers any of their own money. And we really like that. So if you have an Amazon Prime membership, you come on, and subscribe to the show and kind of check us out there. You can see Kyle's little cool, narrow office and my couch i guess (laughs) Um, i I still got to get my my recording studio unpacked and set up but those are just the last couple plugs i wanted to hit i know we're we're kind of approaching our our limit on time here but i appreciate our recent partnership with blue wire podcast i'm sure you've heard some commercials uh little ads dropped into this episode that's what that's about so if you do want to check out other basketball content they have awesome shows um, we're not a the only ton. only women's basketball show on there. They've got lots of other cool ones that you can check out, and we want to support them as well. So make sure you give them a follow Tell them we sent you.
2: Well, everybody, thank you for hanging out. Thank you to the Twitch chat for chilling with us for nearly four hours tonight. It was a blast uh, with a watch-along and an episode recording. Thanks to all of you who are listening, subscribing, rating, five stars, you know, hitting us up on Twitter. We love you all, and uh, we'll talk with you soon. But for WNBA Nation, I'm Kyle Haywood. I'm Logan Jones and we got you next time.